and welcome back to the podcast. I am now taking over as Charlotte Gannon and I'm here with my dad here. Say hello. Hello, Charlotte. So I have a few questions prepared if you want to answer them. Okay, awesome. So um, for those that have just tuned in, we've flipped this over and Charlotte, who's my lovely daughter, has come to the studio today and she's going to interview me for a change and you've prepared some questions, haven't you? Yes. Okay, so let's just get straight into it. So what jobs did you have before you became a property investor? Okay. Um, what jobs did I have before I became a property investor? Um, well, quite a few, really. Um, I've been investing in property for quite a long time. But what I did was I did that whilst I was working my other job. So the jobs that I've well, let's start from leaving school, shall we? So when I was at school, I used to work as a pot wash in a local <laughs> hotel. And I was washing dishes um, and plates and cleaning up and making sure the kitchens were tidy. And I did that. And um, I got paid quite well from that. I was really um, quite, um, quite hard working from an early age. And then when to from there i went to a local dog kennels and i was walking dogs at the weekend and i lost the dog i lost oh. i lost oh, the dog no. i was walking this dog was called merlin i remember and i was um i took this dog out of his kennel and it was really happy to see me it's an old english sheepdog yeah. and it was bouncing around and it was really happy oh. and then he just turned around and ran and it never came oh. <laughs> never came back oh, no. i didn't go back after that I kind of like. Yeah, I don't think they welcome you. I don't back. know. I don't know what happened because that was the days before <laughs> chips and stuff. I don't. So I don't know whether the dog came back or not. I literally lost the dog. <laughs> so from there, um, um, I worked in a a printing shop um, during the weekend. And then I left school. And when I left school, I joined the army, and that was really my first proper job. So I went over to Aldershot and joined the uh, what was called the Army Catering Corps. And it's called the logistics now. And um, did a little bit of time in the army and then left the army and carried on as a chef because that was the job that I was doing. Then worked around the country as uh, a chef, got made up to relief manager and started going to pubs and hotels, looking after the properties whilst the managers were on holiday. And that's where I met your lovely mummy. And I was working as a relief manager at a place called The Fox at Bransford, which is very close to where we live. Do you know it? I think so. Yeah. And, and that's where I met your mum. And then from there, we bought our own pub. We decided that working in pubs for other people wasn't probably the best thing to do. So we went out and bought our own. And then I ran a few pubs, six. We owned six pubs and we had 85 staff. And this was before you were born. And then I left the pub trade and joined the police. And then I was, for the best part of my adult life, I was in the police. And then I decided after about 10 or so years being in the police, I needed to make a change. And so I could look after you and your lovely brother, Ben, and uh, went into property full time. So there you go. All of those jobs. And did you have a few jobs when you were in school? You had a lot. <laughs> well, well I, yeah. I mean, you when I was stories to, with your friends. Yeah, when I was at school, we had a window yeah. cleaning round, right? So me and this guy. <laughs> I remember this one. Me and this guy called Rob Davis. Hi, Rob. If you're listening, I don't imagine you are, but if you are, I'm really sorry. Um, we um, started a window cleaning round, and I got my dad's old. It's like an old table, and I put it on a wheelbarrow, and we had some ladders, and it was typically just you know a, a kids' weekend thing. 
And me and Rob went around the estate and we were charging £3 a house to clean the windows. And after about six months, we did really, really well. We got loads of customers. Almost every house on the street were customers. Yeah. And we were earning loads of money. And I kind of thought, hmm, this is interesting. So I said to Rob, look, mate, we're going into our exams and I've not really got the time to spend on this business because it's going to affect my studying. So I need to stop it. And he said, yeah, I agree. I, I kind of think in the same thing. So he went and I carried on. <laughs> <laughs> so I took all the money myself and I carried on for years. It was ace. I made loads of money. Um, and that was, yeah. So yeah, we did a couple of other things. And he's never found out to this day. I, know, I don't think I ever saw him again. <laughs> I don't really know what happened to him. But, you know, this was like when I was 14 or 15 years old. And didn't you own a, um, a burger a burger van goodness me i forgot about that so that was part-time so whilst i was working yeah. um me and your mum and um, we bought this little burger van and we used to go to all the dog shows and all of the young farmers do's and the mm. rallies and um, every weekend we were literally flipping burgers now that was before ben was born it was like a long time ago uh and it was just a weekend thing so we bought this burger van and i remember at one show we opened the, the hatch and all i could see was what felt like thousands of people and they were all just queuing there for burgers really? and it was yeah and it was literally it was just constant for eight hours, just literally selling burgers, selling burgers, selling burgers. So we did that for ages. But um, when mum got pregnant with Ben, and that's when we decided to give that up. And instead, we just mm-hmm. we were um, doing properties up then and we were just selling them on for a profit because it was easier, <laughs> believe it or not. <laughs> OK, next question. Did you earn a lot then compared to what you own now? Earn, as in... Wages. Mm. Um, I think everything is relative. Uh, We've got a lot more assets now. So we own a lot of property and property generally goes up in value. So that grows over time. And then that means that me and mum can leave that to you and Ben when you're you're a little bit older. And that means that you've got something then that you can earn an income from or sell and and profit from or leave to your family. So um, when I was in the police, it was probably because that was the the biggest job you yeah. know, in, in my adult life that I had. I wasn't earning a particularly huge amount of money. Um, I think the services and certainly, you know, all of the public sector, they're renowned for not being paid very well. So uh, to answer your question, yes, we earn a lot more now, yeah, but it's not really just about right. money because it's about time as well. So when I was in the police, I was away from home. You probably don't remember it an awful lot. Um, really? But I was working weekends, I was working evenings, I was working Christmas. And so all of the times when it's special for your family and you want to be with the family, I was actually away. Yeah. So, you know, money, is, you, can't, you can't evaluate everything around, you know, monetary terms. And um, for me... I get a lot more enjoyment about um, spending time with you and the family and Ben and mum and, you know, being together and doing things and making those nice memories and going on holidays rather than saying I get paid more now, if you understand what I mean. So it's, it's a bigger picture. So um, I'm better off now for all of those things than I was before. And it means I can spend more time with you guys. And you've had lots of jobs and I think you've kept this <laughs> job the most. So what's the best part of your job? What's What's the key? So the best part of, I mean, I do a lot of things now. So it's not just property investing. We've got software platforms, as you know, and we do training and all of that kind of thing. But I think the main thing is for me, the best bit about my job is me being free 
to do and choose what I want to do. Um, so I can choose, uh, like today, for example, we're here, you're in the studio with me. Um, you know, you've just broken up for Christmas time. So if I was working before, I would never be able to do that. So that's the one element is having more freedom and time. The next element is um, being able to help more people. Now, as a police officer, um, you know, there's a, a cliche, I suppose, when we say that I, I joined the police to pay it forward and to help people. Well, I'm helping a lot more people actually being out of the police than I was when I was in it, believe it or not. So helping tenants get great standard accommodation um, and living in really great houses that I wouldn't be able to before. Um, so helping their life and helping them move forwards, helping you guys. Um, because of the time and the money that we earn, we can help you. Uh, you go to a really good school and, you know, you're coming along with your singing and your acting uh, and helping Ben play football, which we'd never yeah. have been able to do before because, number one, I was away too much and, number two, we couldn't do it financially. So, you know, all of those rolled into one make it a much, much better environment and lifestyle for all of us. Is there any reason, well, you've probably just said it, but is there a certain reason why you do it? Like, just one particular thing? Um, well, literally what I've just said. So, yeah. I mean, you know, for having more time with you and, and the rest of the family, um, earning a little bit more money and just having that more um, more freedom to be able to choose what I want to do rather than having to go at a certain time, having to complete something, having to come back. So, you know, it, it's all of that. And when do... I know you were doing other jobs, you said, when you were actually doing this, but when did you actually start to think, yeah, I think I might be a property investor. I think that's a good job for me. So we've been investing in property since 1997. So really all the way back then, when before you were born, me and mummy had a house and we, um, we bought it brand new and we couldn't rent it out because we wanted to move um sorry we couldn't sell it because we wanted to move um because we paid too much money for it and if we just sold it we'd have lost money so we decided to rent it and then we became landlords and that was our first landlord experience and we sold that property a couple of years later and reinvested it and we bought uh, auntie louise's house so mummy's sister's house because she was in a chain she wanted to move she couldn't because somebody pulled out of the chain so to help her we bought that house uh, and then we started buying houses um part-time and what we call flipping which means you buy a house that's run down and you decorate it and you sell it for a profit so we started doing quite a few of those um so we've always been in property and we've always done property but actually full-time um when when i left the police so what we're looking at now we're coming into about eight years full-time in property now and i decided to leave the police and do it as a full-time job and out of all the things in a HMO property investor, what's the hardest thing to get started on when you first started? It's hmm, a really good question. Lots of things, really. So it depends who you talk to. Um, some people will say the hardest thing is finding deals, property. Some people will say the hardest thing is finding money. Some people will say the hardest thing is actually managing tenants. Um for me, what is the hardest part of my job? I suppose it's it's filling the properties because we've got about, I don't know, we're just close to about 150 tenants now. And every one of those tenants pays us rent every month. And it's usually an average of about £400. And if we don't have those tenants in those rooms and that takes money out of our bank account, 
which means we don't have as much money as we would. So if we've got a lot of what we call voids, and voids are where the tenants aren't in the properties, so they're empty rooms, and if we're not selling them, then it's costing us money all of the time. And I think for us, because of the size of our business, the more voids we have, obviously the bigger the problem. So I think for me personally, that's probably the biggest challenge is constantly making sure that our team are filling those rooms and making sure that we've got um, more rooms full than we've got empty. Okay. And out of the whole entire year, which would you say is more the downfall and which would you say you get more income? Yeah. So um, for us, now this is going to be different um, for everybody listening but where we are and the demographic that we operate in um i'll go through the whole year for you so what we find is january is is quiet you know because yeah. it's just being christmas etc february starts to pick up a little bit but still isn't that busy then we go into march and april easter time and the market starts to lift a little bit and we start to get quite busy um then we come into the summertime now the summertime is when it all really starts for us so around about june july time it gets really really busy and very often we'll be fully occupied, not not for long, <laughs> but we do get fully occupied sometimes. And um, it starts to get really busy up until around about October. Then it slows down again in October. And November's, you know, really quiet normally. And then we start to get busy again in December for about two weeks before Christmas. Bizarrely, we have like a bit of a flurry. I think people want to get into their house before Christmas time so they can yeah. settle and then the cycle starts so in terms of being more occupied it's the summer month so June July August September October are our busiest periods for us um, and I put that down to you know the student market starts to move around that time even though we don't do students but it kind of starts the whole market moving people start to move out start to get different jobs etc in the summertime okay how many tenants do you have well, I don't know exactly, but anything up to okay. 150 at any one time. So obviously, depending on how many voids we've got. Um, but as you know, I don't I don't operate um, the the letting side of the business as much as I used to now because we've got a team of people that do oh. that for us. But I think we have anything up, up to with our new projects, 150 if we were fully occupied. As you say, roughly 150. How many houses are need needed for this many people? So how many houses do you have? <laughs> I don't know. I don't know. Roughly? I don't know. So um, I don't know. It's it, you know it's quite it's quite funny actually. So um, I don't honestly know how many houses we've got, uh -huh. but it's when people say you know oh how many houses have you got? It's a kind of irrelevant because if you've got a really good business product and you could have ten houses that make more profit than thirty houses. Be depending on how you've got them set yeah. up and, and how you are operating them so when people say how many houses have you got i'd rather people say well look you know um you know what what's what's your bottom line you know how much money you're making type of thing rather than judging everybody on how many houses because i know people that have got you know 150 160 houses that work all day long 10 o'clock sorry eight o'clock in the morning till 10 o'clock at night seven days a week and are not making as much money as yeah. people that have got half the size portfolio because of the leverage and because of how they run their business. So I've kind of answered that in a politician's sort of way. Um, how many houses we got? I don't know. Um, I don't know. 50, 
something like that, maybe 45 or 50. 45 or 50 houses, I think, with our flats and our holiday lets and our, uh, you know, commercial property and what have you. So, um, but it, you know, when when you sort of look into business and you start to study business, it's not just about how big you are. It's about Mm -hmm. how you manage that bottom line and that profit. Yeah. So out of all the houses you own, what was in the worst state and what took, what was the hardest house to refurb and get better out of all of them? Well, that's a really easy question for me to answer. So when um, I spoke to you earlier about the property that we had, that our first one that me and your mum had, and then we rented it, we, when we moved from there, we moved to a little cottage in um, a village called Rushwick, which is where you were born. Yeah. And we moved into this house and it was a little cottage called White Hall Cottage. And it, was, it wasn't it was dilapidated per se. There were people living there, but it was really rough. Mm-hmm. And we bought that, I, th- I can't remember, I think we paid like £80,000 for it. Mm-hmm. And it took me and mum about two or three years with the help of nanny and granddad to redecorate that property. We had to put a driveway because it didn't have a drive, so you couldn't get a car on it. You had to walk from the road. We had to put a new roof on it. We had to put new windows in it. And we really ripped it back, and it was really, really smelly. And I think what (laughs) they had dogs that were incontinent and got into the floorboards, and the house just stank. It really did. And there was rubbish everywhere. I don't think they put any rubbish in any bags they just put it in the garden so over the years um, we we managed to do it up into a really lovely home and then you were born and ben was born and we had to move them because we needed a bigger house so we rented it for ages uh probably for i think we rented it out for five or six years at least and because we weren't there and it was an old property the damp started to come back and it started to get quite dilapidated again so then we had a phase two and we knocked it down. <laughs> we knocked the property down. You remember because you came to me, uh, came came day with after us. School, yeah, yeah we um, and we knocked it down and rebuilt it. Um, so we spent more time and love on that property. Mm-hmm. But now it's stunning. We don't own it anymore. We sold yeah. it. Um, I think we sold it for four hundred thousand. We bought it for eighty. You know, we just spent. You know, um, yeah. probably spent about a hundred on it. Um, but it was a great. You know, a great property. Um, it saw the birth of you and your brother, and um, you know we had some great times there. But that was probably the project that we put um, a lot, a lot of effort into over the years. Um, but there's also other deals that we've done. You know, we bought a whole block of flats um, two years ago, or maybe even three now, coming into three years, and we're still working on those because it's sort of um, you know one tenant leaves, we'll re redecorate the flat and redo it and and just keep doing that so that's quite a big project as well so yeah those are probably the two of the ones that stick out i remember a few memories from them yeah so as you as you are a bit as you're an ex-police officer in all of your job does this help you in any of it does it? Yeah, absolutely. So being a police officer, you know, one of the fundamental things that you have to do is be able to listen and talk to people, regardless of um, how angry they are or um, how, how old maybe they are or how young they are. So you have to have the ability to adjust your level of conversation to suit the person you're talking to. And when it comes to tenants, it's no different. So tenants are people and people have needs and wants, and people have their own values. And, you know, it depends on um, on what the problem is that you're talking to the tenant about. But it 
being an ex-police officer allows me to adapt all of those skills into managing tenants proactively in a very fair and firm manner in order to make sure that they're happy and they are left alone and of course we get paid okay and by the very end of 2020 what's the what are the goals what do you want Mm. to be to say yeah i achieved that i did that well i have not set my goals yet for 2020 so it's a great question um what we normally do is at the beginning of the year we'll sit down as an office and we'll work out our targets for the year and then reverse engineer them so we'll get to x amount that we want to turn over by the end of the year and then work out how we're going to get that now in terms of property i don't know if i want any more (laughs) i'm whispering so nobody can hear i'm not entirely sure whether we need any more property this year Um, we've got a lot of uh, projects on at the moment you know we've just um converting a police station um we've just bought a bungalow that we are turning over we've just got a commercial conversion project that we've just taken on um i think in terms of tenants i think 150 for us is about right i don't yeah. really want that many more because what we find charlotte is that we end up competing against ourselves yeah you're kind of at that stage where mm. you don't really need to get better you're at a bed- you're at a good stage yeah i think it's a case of um, more fine tuning and then developing our other arms of our business so we've got go tenant which is our property management platform that's doing exceptionally well um you know we've got um we've got thousands of landlords that have uh, signed up to go tenant and what i'd like to do is help even more people because that enables others to leverage their time so a big focus on go tenant next year and a big focus on of course our existing training company as well um you know we've got a great reputation in the training industry for taking good care of our students and being there for them making sure that we deliver on all of our promises so um it's just maintaining all of that and let's just see what else happens along the way (laughs) and what's your main advice for a a property investor in training who wants to be like you in a few years what's your main advice to get started with just start um, I think most people will be when, and you know, um, you won't know this, but I mean, people that might be listening, um, you know, you always start a diet on a Monday. It's oh, start Monday, yeah, and then Monday comes, and maybe you you'll, and you don't you don't start. you have that bar of chocolate. You think, oh, it's okay. Well, I'll I'll start next Monday. So rather than saying I'll start again now, I'll start next Monday, and then Monday comes around, and the whole cycle starts again. And that's why most people fail when it comes to yeah. personal goals and dieting. Um, so I think my best advice is just start stop thinking about it start doing it because there's never going to be a right time um don't listen to all the negativity because people don't care about you only you should care about you because nobody else really does if i'm honest i don't mean obviously with you personally because of course i care about you but most people that tell you it's not going to work and you'll fail and blah 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 that's just a reflection of themselves that's not you so do it for yourself because nobody else will do it for you so literally put one foot forward and say right today i'm going to start and this is what i'm going to do thank you there actually all my questions there so Thank you for joining me. That's absolutely no problem at all. That's been so much fun. Let me talk about you. Are you ready for Christmas? Yes, definitely. For those listening on the podcast, Charlotte's got a little Christmas jumper on and she's got reindeers on. She's got baubles on her ears. If you show, show you earrings, can you see on the camera? Little baubles on her ears. So it's all Christmassy. And what are you expecting, Charlotte, for Christmas this year? I really want an iPhone 11. I told you you're not having one. Or a puppy. <laughs> a puppy? Can't have another puppy. Our house isn't big enough. Well, look, thank you so much for interviewing me today. It's been an absolute pleasure. And it's been awesome you coming to work with me today as well. And this is what we can do when we invest in property. You know, we can manage our own day and spend more time with the people that mean the most to us. Thank you.
Thank you. Thank you, Charlotte. And have a great Christmas, everybody.